0: Blob Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back to Fix the... uh, What am I again? Help me out. Oh, wait a second. FixtheNation.com. What do we do? Well, we talk about a little bit of solutions, a little bit of uh, the Republican, conservative angle, a little bit of reform, kind of depends on how you want to slice it. Um, The promise. The promise is 100 hard days, meaning 100... uh, Shows, meaning election time, on November, what is it, 8th, I believe? Well, this is number two. Every day coming at you in some way, shape, or form. And uh, today, I'm going to focus a little bit on the economy. Something that doesn't get a lot of love and attention, especially in this day and age of, you know, she's a liar and he's a bigot. They pick a person, they just... Can't seem to stay on message. They just get pushed in this different beat each other up mode. Not a big fan of it, you can tell. I'd much, much rather have, and I think if you've listened to me before, you understand this. I want you to tell me what is. I want you to talk to me. I want you to discuss. I want you to convince me why you have what it takes to lead this country. I want to hear issues, I want to hear solutions. I want you to convince me with some logic, with some sound judgment. I want you to put it to me in a way that is, oh, I'm going to call it passionate. One of the things that, that leaders need to have is the ability to articulate their message well and get people to want to follow them. Now, that doesn't mean people who already follow them that actually means people who usually don't want to follow you will follow you anyway because you've made a sound case part of the job of a president in my opinion is to be very split second you get elected you need to take your party pin off And put it in a little box. You can take it off after you're out of office. But while you're in office, your job is not to be Democrat, not to be Republican. Your job actually should be to stand in the middle of the aisle and reach over to the left and reach over to the right and pull them together with your message, with your unity, with your leadership. Do a little convincing, a little browbeating, a little bully pulpiting, and get them to come to the middle and get things done for the best interests of all of us. That's how it's always been. It's politics. There's give and take. You can't just take, 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 and you can't just give, 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 and you can't just no, no, no. It's give and take. Both sides need to understand those rules, and both sides need to play by those rules, or we need to change the game. And I don't mean in a negative way. I mean in a something's got to give because we need to get stuff done. We have a lot of things. I'm going to use the word reform. We need to reform so many things in our society right now. It's not even funny. And just the, just the big-ticket items are easy to knock off. You know, entitlement reform, we're going bankrupt. You know, tax reform, got to get it done. Immigration reform, right? Those, those are the easy reforms. What about reform on things like criminal justice system? Right? What about reform on how we go about doing business... <laughs> with certain countries on the planet, because right now I don't even know who an ally is. If I asked anybody who an ally is for us, or what the definition of an ally, you'd struggle with it. I have a solution for that, by the way, but we'll get to that down the road. So we're going to spend some time on the economy, and uh, we're going to do a little bit small, very, very, very small, recap on some things about our economy these are just things that have always have been they're normal they're just the way things are example you have a very very hard recession very very hard depression something like that A so hard spike down you know what follows immediately after that a hard spike up The harder you fall, the harder you bounce. The higher you spike, irrational exuberance, I'll use that phrase via Mr. Greenspan, whoosh, the harder you come down the other side. The softer the recession, the softer the bounce, the softer the growth rate, the softer the decline. It all comes together. It's a mirror image in the history of history with one exception. We're talking and we're talking exceptions like we're going back almost a hundred years. The current economy. We had a wicked wicked recession hit in two thousand eight. What happened after it? Uh, <laughs> and that's my best word for it. Eh meh, nothing. Just lackluster. And that's that's putting it nice. Let's dig just a little bit though into well it was nice you know dot 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 question mark. Remember something. The Fed threw out $3 trillion in stimulus. I'm going to say that again. The Fed, whose balance sheet was about $800 billion, around that number, threw out over $3 trillion to stimulate the economy wow Obama and Congress couldn't spend money fast enough to stimulate this economy they've spent six trillion dollars they did not have say that again they spent six Trillion dollars they did not have. So the three and the six added together is nine. So in the last eight years, we've spent nine trillion dollars and we have eh, economy to show for it. That's horrific. That's not even nice. Dot, dot, dot question mark. Well, why is that? That's really unusual. Why? Okay, let's get a couple things crystal clear. In the history of history, the market always determines the price. It's how capitalism works. You want to sell a car, every one of your neighbors wants to buy it. That car is now very expensive. There's a lot of demand and very little supply. You want to sell your car, nobody wants to buy it except for one guy. He could almost name the price. Otherwise, you're stuck with it, right? Very, very thin demand. Every guy in the block wants to sell his car, and there's only one buyer. Guy's going to walk up down the street and say, give it 10 bucks, give it 10 bucks, give it 10 bucks." Somebody will say yes, or somebody will say, make it 12 whatever it is so the supply and demand piece of it the market got interrupted because the fed still to this moment by the way has not stopped meddling in the markets they have so much invested they have a four trillion dollar balance sheet and remember, they are not government technically. That's four trillion off book of the nineteen trillion. So we're over nineteen trillion in federal debt or national debt. We have another four trillion. So it's nineteen plus the four. Count the fact that's twenty three trillion. Wow. And Obama stepped into office, it was nine. a lot of money not much to show for it so a couple things we need to get the fed out of our business they can't even decide to raise rates which i think is hysterical so you mean tell me that that 0.25 is just scary land that 0.5 will just freak people out 0.75 would just be outrageous two percent would be a low number and they're at 0.25 that's craziness they could raise up to about one to quarter one and a half 175 and the, the economy wouldn't even blink what are people going to do not take a loan that's at record lows historically but is a tick higher than it has been the last five years that's ridiculous That's like saying, I don't want to make more money. Of course you want to make more money. So you're going to take a little bit more risk. But you have a lot more reward also. And until they do that, they won't have bullets in their gun, pardon the violent metaphor for all those really sensitive people out there, to use when things like the economy does go into recession and they need to back off they need to throw some juice on the economy cuz that's what they're they have two they've two mandates guys jobs inflation i'm not sure how you're supposed to get inflation if you can't get an economy i'm not sure how you can have in, you know the the jobs number mean anything when the bulk of the jobs created are part time hold on a second you said part time jobs. What does that mean? Okay, let's go a different direction about the economy in the last eight years. We had this wonderful little, <clears throat> shouldn't say little, this wonderful thing created called Obamacare. And one of the things it does is it penalizes people who have full time workers. You have business over a certain size, I think the number is 50, of employees. You get penalized. You need to offer them health insurance or else we're going to penalize you. Now, it would say tax, but it's a penalty. But to the Supreme Court, same thing. Just put it out there. No, it's not, but for just convenient purposes, it was. Thank you, Justice Kennedy. That being said, it puts a strangle on full-time jobs. Why would you make a full-time job? Put yourself in the, the crosshairs to be forced to offer health insurance. Might be a good business decision, it might be something that will cost you the business. Okay, there it is. So, because you can't get a full time job, pretty much look at Obamacare and what that has done. Okay, what's another way we choke this economy? Well, regulations. I think the number is over 20,000 regulations have been written during Obama's run. I want you to think about that stunning number. I want you to think about what a regulation actually is. A law is something passed by Congress. It's been discussed. It's been debated. It's gone to committee. It's gone ring and ring and ring. You garner votes. You take a vote. It passes into law. It goes on to the next house. Same thing applies. It might go back down, come back up, whatever the process is, and all of a sudden, zoop, on the president's desk, scribble, scribble, ta-da, you're a law. Hooray. That being said, a regulation is a bureaucrat who's not even elected sits in an office and says, you know what? Let's do this. Whoosh. Uh, Excuse me? You mean you don't have to go through Congress? You can just decide to do things? Yes, we're the EPA, and we're just going to decide to do X, Y, Z. Yep. You know what? I'm just going to write an executive uh, order, and we're just going to do this. Whoosh. There it is again. Now, what's just stunning to me is this is action around the process. I'm not saying you shouldn't be able to do certain things. There should be some latitude I'm not against that. What I'm saying is if you're going to write 20,000 regulations to choke everything under the sun, you are literally giving people every single reason not to do business, not to take risk. Why would they do that? You know what's killing this economy? We have one of the lowest rates of capital expenditures in the history Why would you invest in a company? You know what you do? You sit on your money. You just let it earn you more money. You buy back stock. (laughs) You know, you pay a dividend to shareholders. You just let it sit there and make money for you. Why would you buy something or invest it? Because the rules change almost daily, it seems like with what you'll be allowed to do or not allowed to do in the future as a business person. You're better off keeping it overseas, better off bringing it home, better off moving your headquarters overseas, and then just simply sending goods back to the country. That is just bizarro land that we're trying to incentivize the core of our capitalist structure And send it overseas because it's just a better business decision. When you've done that, you've pushed too hard, too fast, too far. This is the greatest place on the planet. We need to celebrate that. And we need to make sure that everyone who wants to do business wants to do it here specifically. But we're choking it off. So you've got some issues on the table and it's funny, and I don't mean funny, ha-ha, I mean funny, wah because it makes me cry. How do I say this? People talk about, well, you know, how would you fix the economy? Well, I'd fix the economy by, you know, infrastructure. Okay, let's, let's think about that a second. So who's going to pay for the infrastructure? Okay, we don't have any money now. We're $23 trillion in debt. We just decided that. Who's going to pay for the infrastructure? Oh, well, you know, we'll just raise taxes. Whoop. Oh, let me stop you right there. Higher taxes slows the economy. That's a statement of fact. Well, you know, we'll just, you know, you know we're, we're just going to cut it from – whoop. Let me stop right there. We're as lean as we can go on certain things. Okay. Unless you want to talk, let's reform entitlements, which is about 80-plus percent of the budget. Crickets. That's what you're going to hear, crickets. Oh, we can't do that. We can't touch entitlements. Oh, now you're being silly. We just can't touch entitlements. Oh, well, there's 19.5% left over. Want to cut defense? I mean, you know, we could always just, you know, do with less. I mean, doesn't the world feel so safe now that we have terrorist acts almost every single day? Oh, that's not a good idea? Hmm, okay. So we can't cut defense. We can't cut entitlements per what you just decided. And now you want to trim the other 19.5% of the budget to find what number? And what do you want to do again? Well, I would invest in infrastructure. I love when politicians say that. Say it again because I love this word. They'd like to, quote, invest, end quote, in infrastructure. Um, No, hold on, hold on. Investments are something you put money into. It gains money, and when you sell it, you get a bigger amount of money. There's a return on it, right? Right? It's an investment. Wee! Let's go sell our investments. Wee vacations. Nope. This is spending money. They just don't want to use the word spend. Because no one wants to spend money. Everybody likes a deal. Right? You ever go to a you know car dealership? As long as you know, hey, you get thirty percent off the car. Oh wow! I'll buy that car. Because I'm only really spending money. I mean I save thirty percent. I'm going to get a kick out of this one. I was watching TV the other night, and there's this uh, commercial. And evidently something that you do is when you spend money, it sends money to a certain spot, like saves you money. Oh, wow, I've made $900 this year. And she's all excited. Um, So let me get this right. You made $900 by spending a lot of money. Yep. Okay. That doesn't make much sense to me, but but I'm going to have to let it go for right now. Go back to politics. Um, what I understand is they keep saying invest in infrastructure. Now, I to you want to say spend money? Fine, spend money. But just say what, say what it is. We need to spend money in infrastructure. Sure, what do you want to do? Again, crickets. No, really, what do you want to do? You want to build dams? No. What do you want to do? Uh... Well, our, our, our bridges and tunnels and, and roads, okay, bridges and tunnels, that's a local thing. It's not a federal thing for the most part. Okay, keep talking. Highways, okay, super. All right. To do what? Well, they need to be paved. Um, okay. Now, see, they keep coming up with the word infrastructure, but they can't put things together that make any sense. Oh, our schools are crumbling. Yeah, and we have less need for schools because the population is actually going to go south down the road. Why do you need to, quote-unquote, build new schools? You want to update new schools? Okay. You want to put a little money into them? Go for it. Isn't that kind of a local-ish, though? Doesn't local schools pass bonds for that very thing? Don't states make that decision? Why are you playing with schools? Why is the federal government deciding to spend infrastructure at the local level like that? Right? And here's the weird part. And this is – I know it's a simple example, but it just just makes me crazy. The GDP has three components that, that give money into it. You know, when you add up these three groups, that's where GDP comes from. There's a consumer, what they spend. There's businesses, what they spend, and there's government, what they spend. Okay. Let me take one step back from business. Where do businesses get 100% of their money? Consumers. Hmm. Where do government get 100% of their money? Businesses and consumers. Again, where do businesses get their money? Consumers. So where do all monies originally come from? Consumers. It's our money to choose where to spend it. Correct. Here's the problem. Sometimes businesses don't give back enough to consumers to give us the money to keep spending. I'll try to slow that one down. Businesses need to keep hiring and raising wages for us to have a positive growth rate. You can't just hire at lower levels, dumb down the wage rate, and think you're going to have a better economy. The overall pool of monies gets slower, and quite frankly, you know, when there's less money to go spend, you can't go spend it. And when you have less joy in your heart, you have no eagerness to go spend it. You start to worry, and worrying is never good. You want people to have – their toes need to be tapping. That's when things are good. That's when people buy a second home, a brand-new car. Why? Because things are good. How many people that are worried about their job are going to buy a house? None. Zero. They'd be stupid if they did. Why are you going to buy something and not be able to pay for it? Right? So part of the government's job, so to speak, is to get the hell out of the way. Regulations need to be less. Bureaucrats need to be reined in. The Fed needs to get their head out of there, never mind. Need to rethink their passive strategy while we think about reducing taxes through a complete overwhelming tax reform. We need to think about an exit strategy for the Fed's debt to get back toward normalization, even if we just were to establish the path it would be a wonderful, wonderful declaration toward anybody who wants to buy into this country and to anybody who was going to invest with monies they were sitting on. Right? So now here comes the sticky wicket. You have two people running for the president of the United States. You have two people, two only, to really have a shot. It comes down to one of two. Hillary Clinton to raise taxes. Hillary Clinton, supported by President Obama. She is the status quo. She will absolutely be more of the same. She is nothing like the husband, Bill Clinton, and he had the Y2 – remember Y2K – Remember that whole build-up? Oh, my God, every computer is going to shut down you know, when we t- you know, just trigger the 2,000. Computers aren't built for that. Think about all that Internet and computer business that was churned because of that. You know what happened right after 2,000, right? Right. Stock market crashed again, right? Funny. We tend to forget that. But let's skip that for a second. She wants to raise taxes. She wants bigger government she wants to spend more at the government level okay we just had a discussion about how that wouldn't work she doesn't really care because she just wants to be in office and she just wants to have her way if it doesn't work that's okay she'll just put it in further debt because that's okay with her she doesn't really care that the debt gets too big. Okay. Which brings us to Donald J. Trump. Oh. His tax plan is a hell of a lot better than hers. I want to say it's fifteen percent corporate tax, which would be exciting for business. He is a less regulation person. He is not, just so are crystal clear, a conservative. But he has tendencies toward running, I will call it, efficient business. Most of what he wants to do is pro-growth. Most of what he wants to do is done with the best of intentions toward that. It's not to say he has a perfect plan, but of the two, not even close. is why he doesn't stand on a soapbox and just beat the drum on that every single day. I don't understand how come Trump doesn't just beat the issues into the ground. She can't compete. She will win if he plays a personal or a social game For the next 100 days, she'll win. If he plays on the issues and for the most part ignores her, slap her aside, keep talking. Slap her aside, keep talking. These are verbal slaps, by the way, when she gives him barbs. Don't ignore her. Just simply make a comment and then go back to economy. Make a comment, go back to immigration. Whatever it is, the big topic of the day is but pound it and sell that message be the leader what is your plan give an example i wrote a platform if i was going to run for office here'd be my platform okay i think we have economic issues these are some things that i would do that i put on the table and say this is where i want to go you want to elect me this is where i'm going and this is why I think I can get, get us there. So here are my topics. I think we should promote and pass a balanced budget in year one and then push for a balanced budget amendment okay, to lock down to make sure we never spend more money than we currently have. Let's downsize the scope of federal government to 95% of the prior year tax revenues. I'd include consolidating the number of departments and cabinet offices from 16 down to 8 I'd combine labor, commerce, HUD, and transportation. I would combine defense and veteran affairs. I would combine interior, agriculture, and energy. I'd reduce the Department of Education down to an advisory panel with block block grants of money going back to the states and remove all unfunded mandates. I'd reduce the EPA to an advisory panel and give that power back to the states to decide what's good and not good for their own states. I would leave alone State, Department of Justice, Treasury, Health and Human Services, and Homeland Security and just let them stand alone. But that would eliminate a lot of waste at the top management positions of those and not affect the services that we would receive from those offices. Use the remaining 5% of the surplus of government revenues to pay down national debt. I'd also audit the Fed, create and publicize the exit strategy and time frame to reduce their $4 trillion balance sheet, promote and achieve a strong dollar program to protect the value of what we have and what we earn, also help others via the reserve currency relationship we have across the world. Revisit uh, Simpson-Bulls, use it as a framework for national debt reform package dialogue. All mergers of corporations will be treated as a mutual acquisition to to eliminate the tax benefit of a merger. You understand if you buy or sell something, you're taxed, but if you merge, you don't. I want you to think how hysterical that statement is. If you buy or sell, you're taxed, but if you merge, you don't pay tax. We need to revamp, revamp the tax code. Just put it out there. All foreign corporations will pay a 10% purchase tax for any takeover of an American-based company. Basically, a value-added tax for a foreign purchase of a U.S. company. Eliminate pensions for all federal government and agency positions. Replace with 401K and a 5% government match. Give all federal employees the right to work freedom, as opposed to union. Reduce taxes, see my tax policy to stimulate GDP and therefore raise the tax revenues to offset reduction in government spending. Raise the national debt ceiling one time to an agreed-upon level that is understood as already having been spent. Then fix the revenue-spending ratio to prevent any breach of that. Establish hard cuts that if uh, the real ceiling is hit, and mandate pay-go, which is pay-as-you-go. Reform entitlements to make and keep them financially viable in a fair, disciplined way. There's a list of four things I would do. Then I go into tax policy. Now, that list I just ratted off, that's just – that's where I want to end up. Now, whether they give and take in that? Could be. But the general framework of that is what I would put on the table. And then once I put it on the table, if I'm someone like Donald Trump, now I'm going to sit there and talk about these points and try to get you to understand why they're important. Oh, wait a second. You want to downsize, you know, you know all the cabinets. Oh, but that's, that's a lot. of. We wouldn't have services then. Hold on a second. If you eliminate top management in – if one company buys another company, the sales doesn't go anywhere. What happens? It's the upper and middle managers. They get tossed out, right? The guy who makes the product, works in the shop, whatever it is, they still have a job. Some of the middle managers and some of the top managers have their jobs, but they just kind of eliminate some of those overlap positions. That's the waste. Now you get more efficiency out of government, and it's scary to put those two words together because they've never been put in the same sense before, efficiency and government. But it can be done. It should have been a long, long time ago. You do understand the structure of government has only ballooned out. It's never gotten smaller. There's a reason that the District of Columbia never had home prices go down or had a real estate recession when the entire rest of the country did in 2008. I want you to think about that. The only place in the U.S. that home prices didn't go down was the District of Columbia because there's always money there. There's always demand there. Their jobs never got affected. What do you think about that? Isn't that lunacy? Isn't that the, the tail wagging the dog? Crazy, right? Tax policy. Probably going to talk about that tomorrow. Uh, I wrote a tax policy. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm going I'm I'm to give someone props right now. Um, Kevin Brady, who is in charge, he's the chairman of the House Ways and uh, Means Committee. He and his entire committee um, did, I think, amazing work. I call it the Brady Plan, but whatever. That's, that's it. It's called the better way. Did an amazing job and flushed out. I don't want to say ah, – I don't have it in front of me. I want to say it's like 36 pages. But it's an easy, easy read. Um, I it's already up on my on fixthenation.com. If you want to access it, you can you can click on the link under go, go to tax policy, and there's a link there to go to the Brady plan, and it's it's a great read. There are tweaks I would make to it. Okay, and that's that's what I'll talk about tomorrow is you know both what that plan is and why I think it's so well done, but also why I would go a little bit further. And why? Okay? Because, again, one of the things I'm trying to do is stay balanced. It's got to work for everybody. That's one of my rules. And it's got to be doable and real. And number three, it's got to put us in a better place moving forward. And that gets complicated. It truly does. But that's kind of my, my, my goal. Um, again, this is FixNation.com. Um, I'm John Jensen, heart and soul of the founder, uh, part conservative, um, taking a look at the Reform Party right now because part of what, what gets distracting in this day and age is we have so many things that need to be changed dramatically. Most of them have a fiscal edge to them, a monetary edge to them, a structural edge to them. We don't need to talk about social. Social usually takes care of itself. Social usually is at a smaller level. But there are certain things we need to take a real hard look at because we haven't in a really long time. We haven't touched immigration for 20 years. That's just sad. Even homeland security has been 15 years. It's getting a little stale. Not that we should like, remove it. I didn't say that. But don't you think times are different now? Don't you think ISIS plays by a different set of rules than they did 15 years ago before they were born? Don't you think a tax code needs to be updated? I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to vent a little bit. Warren Buffett actually had the audacity to attack Trump Trump today. And I kind of get where he's coming from. You know he's not even a he's you know not even consideration. Okay, let me get this right. A billionaire is going to give me advice about another billionaire not being who I should vote for, when the first billionaire is someone who pays less taxes than his secretary, that uses everything in his arsenal to pay less than he. He should. That buys Goldman Sachs stock at the bottom in 2008 and makes bank on it. So let me get this right. The guy who is Wall Street, the guy who benefits by status quo, the guy who's made billions in the stock market only, that's his only job for, what, 50 or 60 years if you're Warren Buffett? And he's an amazing investor. But one, don't give me advice on politics. That's not your bailiwick. That is not your sweet spot. And you, of all people, shouldn't talk. Because if I had my way to revamp you're paying 33%. You're not paying 13%. Time to pony up. Because when we don't have enough money to go around for the little guys... And the little girls, i got a tip for you. You're one of the people that are the problem. Pay your fair share, and I'm not looking to redistribute. But if you make the tax code simpler, leaner for everybody, because you make so much money, you won't complain you're paying tax because you're making so much money. And the more money you make and the more money you have, the more money you get to spend – the better the economy gets. Kennedy in the 60s lowered taxes and got more revenue from it. Reagan lowered taxes in the 80s and got more revenue for it. Donald Trump should lower taxes in 2017 and get more money from it. You and everyone you know will benefit by that, directly or indirectly, and that's a fact. The economy slash jobs number two immigration number three national security. It's those are the three big bucket items. Can't make this up, guys. You truly can't. The economy is where it's at. One of the things that you need to understand is Japan has been in this Rut, low, I don't know how you want to phrase it, they keep cruising at about 1% growth. I think they're now going into like their third decade of anemic growth. And they have an older population, they have a lot of debt, and they can't grow. Sound familiar with the boomers retiring and getting older and us having a lot of debt? Remember we used to be a creditor nation? We had more money we knew what to do with. Now we can't simply find a way to say no. I know I have to say no in my house. We have a budget. I'm sure you guys have to stay within a budget, right? Funny how everyone's got to stay within a budget on a personal level. Everybody, everyone at a local level, has to balance the books if you're a local government. If you're a state government, you've got to balance the books. It's the way it is federal level? <laughs> nah, no big deal. We'll print more. Nah, no big deal. We'll run some debt. Nah, that's good. Here's the weird part. You know what's bad about a bad economy and that worry that hangs over a bad economy? You know what people want to do? They don't want to spend money. Credit card? Ah, I want to pay it off. Ah, I'm not real sure if I want to take out an extra loan. Oh, I'll just get the car repaired. Not, not buy a new one. And you take that mentality times 350 million people, that's a lot of money not being spent. And what you need is to increase what's called the velocity of money. Not only do you have a certain amount of money, but the more you spend, the more hands it keeps going through. It's like a wheel. You want to keep spinning it. The faster and longer it spins, the better off the economy is. You accelerate the economy by cycling money at a high velocity. That being said, though, tough to do that when you're worrying about if you can pay the mortgage next month, if you're worried about being employed, if you've got a job that you hate, but you can't get another one because no one's hiring. Or you have a part-time job for three different jobs. And you're never home to see the kids, but it doesn't matter because you do whatever you can to feed, put food on the table. But it's still not enough, but you can't get a fourth job. There's just not time enough in a day. While they want to take more taxes, while they say you know, they're fighting the fight. When's the last time you think your congressman, your senator, your president, even your governor – really truly had your back truly did the right thing by you really truly fought the fight that just just cleared out the trees so you could see just cleared the playing field so you could play because part of what i'd love to do is is see uh, sole proprietorships uh independent businesses created usually entrepreneurs and that's Typically the younger group that does that, hey, I'm going to start a business, and they just wing it because, ah, you know what? I'm young. I can make up for it if I lose. Completely true, by the way. Do you realize it's the first presidency that actually has less businesses being created than they did at the beginning? We, Obama has killed the entrepreneurial spirit in this country almost single-handedly. When you overregulate, you kill that. When you burden us with taxes, you kill that. When there's nothing but debt as far as the eye can see and no way out from under that, why would you do that to yourself and put yourself in the burden of taking a risk when you just don't think the economy can hold course? And there it is. There's the rub. We need to change dynamics of what is America, reset America, reform our economic approach. Because again, the government doesn't make jobs. Businesses do. But why would businesses hire if they think nothing's going to change in the future? Why hire more if it's not going to get busier? You hire on more staff because you anticipate being busier in the future. right? So if you give them a reason to believe the economy will accelerate, what do you think they'll do? yep higher i'm going to end with a little twist it's an immigration angle would you think about what immigrants slash non-immigrants because there are two different groups that make up about, about 12 million people that come into our country each year when you have people come into the country it does a couple of things it dilutes the labor pool so the demand for labor isn't as aggressive. So it keeps wages low. I'm going to go to minimum wage as an easy example. The reason minimum wage hasn't gone up to go get talent is because it had no need to naturally elevate itself. Enter Obama. Let's raise the minimum wage. It's good for people. So now you're going to force people, businesses, to pay more to not get anything out of it, just simply lose profit if you lose profit, you go out of business. If you lose profit, you don't have money to invest. If you lose profit, you can't build out a business. It's horrible economy, horrible, destructive policy. But I get where he's coming from. We're going to raise the wage, take care of the little guy. Okay? Sounds true. It's not. It's a lie. Get there in a second. It also dilutes minimum wage, uh, the the middle income group. Okay? You can't get a push on middle income. Uh, the middle income, middle America. If you're in the middle class, you can't get a a raise because there are too many other people swirling around that could do your job for less. Talk about the top-tier talent getting less. It's the middle class and below that take it in the shorts. And why is that? Because we take in more people now via immigration than we ever have. We have 16% of our country right now is foreign-born. That's the highest since the 1920s. That's 100 years, folks. We take more people in now faster and faster and faster and faster. And I want to ask you a very simple question. If the statement of fact is that immigrants dilute the labor pool and the statement of fact is that labor uh, middle class is diluted okay, by this, why in the name of all that's holy since 2008 has Obama done nothing but accelerate the immigration curve to hurt wages and hurt middle class when he is the champion of the minimum wage? You want to fix minimum wage, dude? No problem. Slow down immigration. It's not difficult. Have you had done that eight years ago, minimum wage would have taken care of itself. The markets would have done that. You can't get a, a person for $5, give them $7, can not give them 7 give them 9 You go up to when you can get talent in your building. That's what businesses do. They make adjustments, and they adjust their prices accordingly. I can make a strong case where that single piece not only changes our culture, dilutes our wages, but also kills the economy Because it doesn't incite inflation, and we want inflation because deflation is a hell of a lot worse, and it's a hell of a lot tougher to fix, and we're close to it. Inflation, we want to spur economic activity and start the cost curve up because then we can make more money against it, and that's how you create wealth. No wealth gets created in reality when you have – deflation and no wealth can get created when it's an artificially uh, stabilized economy it's a temporary fix because eventually the bubble bursts. you've heard that term before and reality check sets in that's how it is that's just that's just the way economies work and we are a capitalist society we aren't socialist we're not communist we're not a state enterprise we have private people taking private risk. They put money and sweat equity into building a dream, and it works or it doesn't. Repeat that times millions. That's one of the reasons people want to come here. They can come here with nothing but 10 or 20 bucks in their pocket and just go and become anything they choose to become. It's a wonderful country. We've got wonderful diversity. The immigration changes we need to make. Are not to kill that. The immigration we change need to make needs to be to protect that. There's a difference. That's a huge difference. And I'll get that later in this week. I must be on the radio on Thursday um, out here in New York discussing that. Yep, they're going to put me on there and give me free time. Go figure. Um, that being said, though, if we just stay the course with the economy, with immigration, and with national security, this election will play out the way it needs to play out. But that's the fight out there. So if, you, if you're listening and you, you enjoyed the, what you heard tonight, I'd ask you to please share it with others. Share the link. Um, share my information. Um, at FixTheNation is the Twitter feed if you want to follow or, or put that up to somebody. Um, www.fixnation.com is the original website. Um, all of my postings are there. Um, If you're listening right now at any point in time, um, you can go to my archives on Blog Talk Radio. Um, Every show I've ever done is there. You're welcome to go back some episodes and pick a good topic you like, and I've hit pretty much for the cycle. Um, I also have a few books out there. Um, I am not a paid person. This is a volunteer proposition, so if you choose to buy a book to support the cause, that would be a wonderful thing. Um, The three books are called FixNation.com. Also, there is Why Go Conservative and One Grand Bargain. There are different slices and different attacks on what I talk about almost every single day of my life. This is um, available through Amazon.com. You can get paperback or e-reader, your choice. Um, I will be doing a show every single day all the way through Election Day, including Election Day. Um, I'm going to hit a little, hit a lot, depending on how much time I have to give to it. But I promise you every single day I will have more information for you and a different little slice of the pie. It's going to cost me my sanity, hopefully not my marriage. <laughs> um, but every single day I'll come back for uh, more pain and suffering. Hope to see you then. Um, tomorrow night I'll be on as well. Um, maybe do it in the afternoon. Not sure. But I will send out a Twitter feed. Um, so that's probably the best way to check, you know, or you can always go to the archives and catch on the, on the rebound. Alright. Hope this finds you well. Take care of yourself and others. Okay. Live the good life. Be strong and God bless. Have a great night.